Hello, I'm Speak Up Dana, your host for the Hilariously Unemployed podcast. These podcasts actually originate as LinkedIn audio events. It was very important to me that I have these events on LinkedIn because my ultimate goal is to get someone interviewed or hired through this podcast and the events. I think it's so hugely important that we're using a social media platform dedicated to professionals and career. If you would ever like to join us for a live recording, of the Hilariously Unemployed, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Dana Duckworth, and you too can ask questions of myself and my guests like you hear me reference in the episodes when I say I'm bringing somebody to this stage. All right, y'all, it's time for the show. Please enjoy the Hilariously Unemployed. All right, so we are off to the races. Hello, happy Friday. And welcome back to the Hilariously Unemployed. I am your host and your favorite opportunity uh, seeker, Speak Up Dana, aka The Big Speaker. I'm so excited that you all have decided to join me yet another Friday to experience this LinkedIn Live audio event. I want to start the way I do by giving some shout outs to a few folks. This morning, I had the pleasure of volunteering with the Virginia Apartment Management Association for Moms on a Mission, which is a nonprofit that we supported. And Moms on a Mission strives to minimize the effects of homelessness by engaging the community and providing tangible resources to those experiencing and transitioning out of homelessness. So today, we packed and provided welcome home baskets for several moms. And I was so, so happy to do that and so, so happy to shout out that organization. So if you're looking for a nonprofit to support, that one is a great one. I found great joy in working with them today. Also want to shout out Ms. Marcy French as one of our sponsors. French's Leadership Solutions is there to provide you with just that leadership solutions. So if you're interested in Marcy's um, organization, please get in contact with her. She is in my LinkedIn network, Marcy French. All right, y'all. So I know why you're here and let's go ahead and get into it. I'm ready to welcome my guest here. Okay. So today I have a magazine cover girl with me. I don't know if y'all went ahead and checked out her LinkedIn, but if you did, you, you saw that, that magazine cover. Um, I have Jessica Fern Kirkland here with us today. She is the OG Transformation Navigator, a world champion chaos organization organizer, a mountain bike junkie, and an award-winning executive who has been innovating and disrupting the status quo of this multifamily industry for over 15 years. She's a former company president, and she joins us to share her candid and insightful experiences navigating this world of layoffs, which she's coined the unenjoyment process. Fun fact, this is the only episode of the Hilariously Unemployed that I've ever named before the episode because we just had to go with that unenjoyment process. <laughs> she's experienced with acquisitions and unexpected turns in her corporate career. So you all just buckle up because she's really funny. She's really knowledgeable and I really, really like her. So this one's going to be really good. Jessica, say hello to our audience for today. Thank you, Dana. You forgot um, that I also like long walks on the beach yes. and a nice glass of red. So. Absolutely, yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you and welcome to the show. Uh, one of my hilarious, as I have coined, 
my audience and those who follow me and have supported the community, Stephanie actually let me know about Jessica. And I was like, oh yeah, we should definitely get her. And Jessica reached out and here we are today. So I am so excited that this community of hilariously unemployed people continues to thrive and grow with you all's support. I can't thank you enough. All right, Jessica, let's get it cracking. You ready for this? Yeah, <laughs> born ready. First thing first, okay. How long have you been hilariously unemployed? Um, I have been hilariously and unhilariously unemployed <laughs> since the 23rd of June of this year. Okay, we like to throw out those expiration dates. Mine was June yeah. 30th, so <laughs> yeah. a few days prior to mine. And there go the dogs, folks. So you know they like to join us each and every episode because they don't want mama to be famous. It's quite all right. <laughs> okay, so you are hilariously unemployed. Can you share the circumstances around that transition? As a company I mean, president, like tell people who you were. You were how many people are here for the tea? Right. So like, want the tea. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> right? That's what you do on a Friday. You get the tea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can, I'm going to share as much as I can without violating an NDA. Yeah, I think that's the first time we heard the word NDA on the Hilariously Unemployed. Love it for me. Right? So, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a whirlwind. And it was funny because business acquisition in multifamily is not uncommon. Uh, and when I look back and I've done a lot of reflecting on this experience, and for those of you who might not uh, know about the journey, I was president of PMG Property Management from November of last year to June 23rd of this year. And uh, it was a whirlwind. Like, we did so much. And I see a couple folks like Stephanie's on, Aaron's on, mm -hmm. so glad to like see your faces. And what we did was just set out to disrupt. And towards the end of our time, and there's, there's challenges with every type of management group, right? Third mm -hmm. party has its own challenges. Owner managed has its own challenges. What we were up against was still needing a lot of resources and we still had a lot to do and we didn't have the capital to back it up, right? Mm. It was really expensive and a very mm. economically challenging time with a value-add business plan with assets that were bought prior to all this crazy. So lots of different challenges. And so the decision to sell the business or let RPM acquire the business, it was it was a good decision. Mm -hmm. None of us knew about it yeah. until like two days before it happened. So that was interesting. It was a lot. It was a lot to process. And being president, God, I don't even know if I would do it again. Uh, I went through the right circumstance, but it is not an easy thing to tell people that you value, that have put in uh, work and time and dedication that were aligned on a roadmap and a strategy. And we all knew where we were going. We were told we had the ability to go there and then it just be over. Um, I found out like a day before everybody else. And it was like, that was the worst 24 hours of my life. I'm not a, I'm not a secret keeper. Mm -hmm. I believe the people who work next to me deserve as much information as I have. It creates context and mm -hmm. 
I mean, full transparency, I felt guilty. I felt um, like I let people down. I felt like you know, these people left their jobs for me and I was promised that we were going in a specific way and it didn't happen. And I just, I had to know that I did the best that I could. Uh, but unwinding what we built was probably one of the most emotionally hard things I've ever done in a professional regard. Like I had to tell my leadership team what was going on. And most of them were, you know, I think, I think Stephanie was an aim. And I mean, Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so I'm telling them virtually. And then I have to tell the entire company, you know, without even having the ability to process what was going on myself, right. it mm -hmm. was take care of the team first. And then let's, you know, then I'll figure out what's going on with me. Uh, and that was really my focus until we kind of, you know, saw what was or was not happening with the rest of the employees. And I stayed until the end, which was another big challenge for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, looking back, I mean, they, they really made the best decision for the organization. And I really, I feel like I did what I set out to do. Mm -hmm. Like there's still a lot of work left, but we wanted to turn, we wanted to turn this big ship that needed it. And the innovation that took place there, like uh, the the people we promoted, the the things that we named things, uh, mm -hmm. like Stephanie is just such a great example. You know, I promoted her to VP of People Success, which was our human resources department, yeah. and have the freedom to empower and entrust someone who you know can do it, but has not been given that opportunity. Like that, those are exactly the people I wanted to hire. The ones who had and were ready to give everything, but there was other people in their way who needed mm. to either quit, die, or get fired before they would ever get a chance. I want to do people, right? Who are hungry. Not quit, die, or get fired, Jessica. Wow. A lot of people do like, you know, you know, if you work for someone right now, you know you're not getting promoted unless they quit, die, or get fired. There are some people who will work for somebody like that. They're like, literally, I'm not going nowhere until something <laughs> drastic happens to this person. Right? You're just gonna stop. Yeah. Stuck in their ways, mm -hmm. probably gonna retire there. There's no harm, no foul. But in an industry right for disruption, like, yeah, you know, we were finding people who were leaving their roles. And I think the biggest reason they left and wanted to come be a part of this mission was the autonomy. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hire people who were good at what they do to carry out my mission. I wanted to hire people that were good at what they did. So I could get out of their way. Ooh, I also yeah. hired people who were really great at the things that I sucked at. And so together we made a really good team, mm -hmm. you know, which requires awareness. You know, you can't, you can't do it all yourself. And so I, I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, I mean, I've never been, I've never been under the gun so much as when I was president of a company. I mean, the people who reach out to you on social media I mean, I've never had so many residents track me down. I've never had, <laughs> you know, I, this is my favorite comment that someone said about me on LinkedIn. For the most part, it was positive, but someone had a really hard time with the fact that I had never been a regional manager, oh. which I've not, I've not ever been a regional manager. And I was like, well, it's not my fault. I'm smart. Just kidding. It's not a job for me, right? <laughs> That's the regional manager role is the most overwhelmed underrepresented, underappreciated role. And I just knew that, that was never anything that I wanted to do. And I skipped it mm -hmm. and went to corporate. 
sorry. Um, but that was, that was really funny. You know, when you look at someone and, you know, think, and I think this is, you know, kind of one of the hard things with recruiting these days too, is like, when you look at someone, you make a judgment call on their qualifications. Right. Had I ever been a president before? No. Did I do a fairly good job? I think so. I think it could have been done worse. I think I was what the I think I I was what they needed. And um, I really got to spread my wings and try. And you know, at the end we we did a survey so I could get some data and some metrics from some of the things that we did. And my favorite one was our increase in organizational trust. It went from 55% to 75% in wow. like seven months. Yeah. And we did five technology rollouts. We changed everything. Um, there was so much crazy that went down. And so to have that happen and still like have a people first approach was, I mean, that meant everything in the world. That and the people who said that they would have stayed indefinitely had the merger not happened. Okay. And it was more than the people who would have stayed indefinitely mm -hmm. uh, than before the new leadership team started. I mean, that was, what else do you need? Right. Okay. Let's let's go back because you gave us a lot, right? I need to go back to that day. The day you found out this news, what were your feelings? What were you doing? What were the emotions around the fact that you did not see this acquisition coming as the president? Um, tell us what that felt like. Um, I think I went through waves of emotion. Um, my first instinct is to go into, well, what, you know, what does this mean next? Like, let's solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, my first questions were what happens to our employees? What happens to my team? How, when is this taking place? Just kind of strategizing and putting myself on the back burner because that, that's just what you do. I'm always willing to die on the hill that I build always. So figuring out those logistics and then it went from logistics to uh, there was there was a moment where I knew that I didn't know as much as I thought that I did mm. as far as relationships and um, strategy. Uh, there was also a lot of things that started to make sense. There was um, there was feelings of betrayal for sure. Yeah. You know, that's a hard thing to say, but human beings have an implied sense of justice that they naturally go for. And where where I thought my relationships were clearly weren't there. And I don't think that it was a reflection of me. I think it was an overall strategy. It's never personal. It's always business. And I knew that I did a good job. So if I, I have to trust that the that the decisions that were made and the, you know, the decision maybe not to involve me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would have too, uh, if I would have either. I think that the care that I had for my team and the company and my, put my heart and soul in the integrity. I think that they know, they probably knew that if they told me earlier, the cat would have gotten out of the bag. <laughs> for sure. Or maybe I would have convinced them not to, you know, cause there's. Well, you would have dis disrupted now. as a disruptor. You would have disrupted. Exactly. Yeah. So I have to trust that that decision, what was best for the business, not, it wasn't a personal attack. It wasn't, you know, to leave me out. It was just a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you shared that you felt a sense of betrayal because like we know specifically you as a president, like, you know, it's not personal. It literally is business, but that doesn't change your human emotional needs and the feeling of, oh, this this is how y'all feel about me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
but it's really not about you, but to even be self-aware enough to be like, I, I felt betrayed in that yeah. in that sense. So thank you for sharing that and giving my audience of uh, hilarious who are unemployed. Another word to kind of describe our emotions, I find that sometimes putting words to feelings helps us to guide ourselves out of those emotions. Like we could tell ourselves it's not personal all we want to, but the way that our body feels and our mind makes us feel um, is definitely something different. So talk to me about the way the news was actually carried out. Was it in different segments? Was it a mass exodus? How did you go about delivering the news? And also for our audience, tell them how large the company size was and how many people were impacted. Yeah, so uh, about 550-ish employees, Mm -hmm. 31,000 units. Wow. And how many people were impacted by this acquisition? All of them. Wow. Yeah, every every single one of them. Um, So I had advocated to, once I found out, I... um, they wanted to tell everyone at the same time mm-hmm. and everyone being the leadership team and then the property teams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. Like they need to hear it. Number one from me mm-hmm. and in advance because they need to process. And I requested a call with RPM because I needed to process. I needed to, for me, figure out where I stood, what, um, they, I need to feel good about it yeah. because the first thing people are going to do is look at me and see, see how I feel. Right. Like, mm-hmm. well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's all about the delivery. And mm-hmm. I was very strategic about that and removed any of my own personal bias about the way that it happened or whatever. And I honestly, after talking with them and hearing the plan, I, I did feel good about that. And mm-hmm. then knowing, you know, the, um, I mean, anything that you, that's, publicly accessible about people who buy properties during the time in which these properties were purchased Mm -hmm. and the challenges that are, you know, arise now, I knew that giving the employees access to things like better benefits, uh, structured department, things that were on our roadmap, but we weren't able to deliver yet. It really was the best choice for the employees. And I truly, truly felt like that. Uh, And so having the, that opportunity to meet with them, ask my questions and then tell my leadership team before they met the RPM leadership team was mm-hmm. really important to me. Uh, and it had to happen in different <laughs> stages because we were all over the place. And then the following day, and I was in Arizona, the following day, RPM came to um, our corporate headquarters and the I had actually called a team meeting because we were going to be strategizing on um, like our roadmap and, mm-hmm. you know, strategizing on occupancy challenges. And I had found out the day before that happened. And I was I couldn't I couldn't even like function. I'm sitting in this meeting with people who flew in to mm-hmm. talk about how to, you know, move the company forward. And yeah. I just found out that it's a waste of time. And I ended up like that my CEO, he was, he was like, do you want me to like go take him on a property walk or something? I was like, yeah, I, I cannot go back in there. I'm not going to take these people through this exercise. It's a yeah. completely, I'm knowing what I, I was, I was so morally torn, but I knew I had to um, keep it to myself 
until we could, you know, those are, those are one of the tough things that I think people don't realize in these higher level roles, these types of burdens and responsibilities, unless you're in it, it is, I mean, you really need to know who you are. Like you really need to know who you are. Otherwise it can be very easy to slip. And my integrity is something that I care so much about. And that was one of the hardest days. And I had ever spent in any organization was that day where I knew major information about something that was going to change the people that I loved and cared about's lives that I couldn't say. That was Mm. devastating for me. So when we were able to discuss it, um, it was was really hard. It was a lot of questions, right? Like, what does this mean? What's going to happen? And then our PM comes in, they meet with everybody. We've got, you know, kind of a team meeting. It's happening in stages or interviewing people. Mm-hmm. Some worked out, some didn't, uh, which was a surprise. For well, us. you and Stephanie did not work out. Which is okay because I'm not a fan of uh, being a number. I'm the type of girl who puts up numbers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some people don't want other people to put up numbers for them, and that's cool. No harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after we kind of worked through the leadership team, then the following day, I went to uh, RPM's corporate headquarters and had to get on a video call with the entire company. Wow. And tell them. And it was like, even though I knew it was a good choice for them, mm-hmm. it was hard to. Uh, I wasn't ready for it to be over. Yeah, that's the thing. It never comes at a good time. Like, it's never a good time. You feel like you're building and and going so far and you're making plans. Literally, you are making plans for the next year, the next quarter. So it never comes at the most opportune time. And it just feels like something snatched away from you. Like, no, I wasn't wasn't quite done yet. So thank you for expressing that. Yeah, it was emotional. Um, It was hard. I knew I had to do it. It was, it wasn't easy though. And I think on that day, and then we had, we had calls like towards the end we had some properties that um, ended up going with like, even with a different management company down the road. So okay. you know, that stuff happens too, yeah. but we would have calls with some of these transitioning off properties. And it was always, it was always hard. Um, it was just emotional, you know, like I put my heart and soul into everything and mm-hmm. it did feel like you get the rug ripped from under you, even though you understand, even though there's no hard feelings, even though it was a business decision, I have to take that information and be strategic about what I walk into next. You know, like I, I knew that I was putting a lot of my cards on the table and was probably over trusting about the, uh, the plan, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, well, I didn't put all of them on the table. Let's just say that mm-hmm. I always keep a little, some things close to the chest. I'm pretty smart when it comes to business. There's a reason I've ended up where I've ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like my relationships and, uh, and things that I implemented, it was, it was all in. And um, I think one of the things I'm really proud of, because this would have been a different feeling a few years ago when I was less confident mm-hmm. and less, um, less secure in myself, is when there is a, I, I did a LinkedIn post about this maybe a month ago, but uh, 
when you do like when you do an experiment for example there's always a dependent and independent variable and the independent variable is the one that impacts the dependent variable it makes it change it is influenced by it and usually we get really impacted by our jobs it defines uh, a lot of us uh, yes. it's one of the things that i love um learning about and loved learning about when i got my degree is the role that work plays in our own livelihoods and it's very normal for a big part of our identity to be associated with our work it pulls meaning and significance and impact and when i left usually you would think that the dependent variable is you and when your job goes or is good bad right or wrong it impacts you because that's Correct. the independent variable you can't control mm-hmm. well it was switched for me i wasn't i was still intact mm-hmm. i'm still me i'm still awesome i'm still like building business relationships i mean right now i'm building uh you know consulting and well i call it transformation navigating because <laughs> yeah words and, you know, I've had, uh, actually, I haven't had a lot of interviews, but, you know, I'm, I've got some business calling. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get yeah, to that part. of me. Like, I made the role. The role didn't make me. And it was really um, rewarding. And I was really proud of myself for being able to, like, hold my head high through all of that. And I feel like I exited with as much honor as I as I possibly could and still participated and supported. It just wasn't about me. It never was about me. It was mm. about everybody else. And I think that walking away from that experience, knowing everything that I did, managed, handled, navigated, uh, makes me feel like I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. So you gave me a lot there, but one thing that I want to talk about is the interview process that happens during an acquisition. Did you interview Jessica? Ish. (laughs) Unpack this for me as much as you can, please. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people have their own visions for their organizations and when someone like myself comes in and says, here's what I see, right? Like I was asked where, like, where, where would you want to be? So the ball was thrown to me, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this was, this was my idea. I was, because I love organizational change and the transformation and the psychological reorientation that's required. And when you've got an organization whose growth plan is based in M&A, mergers and acquisitions, you are constantly merging and melding people's worldviews. And that takes strategy across all departments. So yeah. I, that was the role that I pitched. Like, hey, let me come in and do this. Um, that organization was not set up that way um, and didn't want to be set up that way. And it became very clear pretty quickly that it was not going to work. So um, there was, you know, after strategizing about this role or that role, you know, living in Washington is apparently a problem. And, you know, I'd have you get the idea, right? You either do what you want. We, we make time and room for things that are a priority doesn't hurt my feelings that it wasn't uh, 
but that was, I didn't really have a formal interview. I would just more say conversations Um, and not having an idea of that long-term business plan or strategy, things that did or did not fit in. Who even knows if I was even saying the right things? Um, but it, I mean, at the end of the day, it was it was a it was a mutual. You know, it was mutual. I didn't think from the beginning when I found out. Um, in in my mind, my first instinct was that's not for me because I had done that before, and okay. I want to be a little bit more disruptive. Um, big companies are wonderful; they've got a lot going for them. And I just wasn't my cup of tea at the time, so yeah. it was. I think that when you find like, okay, yeah, there's not a lot of mutual alignment here yeah. and, you know, like mutual respect, not alignment, cool, maybe down the road, maybe not. Um, it was, yeah. And that's okay. Like, you know, it is okay to say that something is not for me. I may not be for you. You may not be for me. And that is quite okay. I think a lot of times because you know we need employment we'll stay in situations that maybe are not in alignment for us or we're trying to fight for something that maybe we don't really want so to just you know bow out and say hey like i recognize that this is not what i want to do um y'all are not interested in keeping me on so it works out all right so as a president like what is the unenjoyment process like? And I love that you have coined it, the unenjoyment process, because it's so unenjoyable. But like somebody with a big old president title, because last week we had a, a SVP say, hey, when you have something like that title, they consider you a part of the C-suite and they deny your benefits and you have to go through appeals. She said she had been um, trying to get benefits for 10 months which is absolutely insane to me. So tell me what the process is like for you over there in Washington, um, being that you are a former president. Yeah, I mean, uh, the unemployment process was really easy as far as like getting benefits and stuff. Lucky. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was was like, okay, I'm just going to like file. I've never been on unemployment before. So it was, it was all new to me. I've had a job since I was 14 years old. It's just a part of who I am. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was pretty easy. I actually found out that um, in Washington, I don't know if it's like this for other states, but um, I'm considered a dislocated worker because my role or position was eliminated. It wasn't that I was laid off or fired. It was eliminated. Okay. And I was required to meet with WorkSource uh, but because they have a meeting with you, they look at your resume and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. But it was one of the most informative meetings. I found out that there is, there are education training benefits that you can apply for that okay. can even possibly extend your unemployment benefits. If your job, which I'm considered a, like a chief executive, if it is not in demand in my area, which mm-hmm. is <laughs> and if I find a job uh, category or industry that is in demand, I could qualify to go back to school and have my unemployment benefits uh, extended. And there are grants that are available for people who are considered dislocated workers that can help possibly pay for some of that schooling. Wow. Um, so that was really that was really exciting. And this um, the person also told me about this really amazing website called layoffs.fyi and layoffs.fyi tells you all the companies 
because the white people lost across <laughs> all the districts. So you maybe shouldn't apply there. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and that was really cool. There's also a, a job scan tool. So if you just Google job scan, it is one of the tools that will help uh, align your resume to a job description and help you look for keywords and things that will help pass the ATS. And so that was really awesome. Um, and there's even, they even have, uh, I've signed up for a class next week. So they've got free training about uh, starting your own business. So they wow. have an own program where you get sponsored by an organization who helps you learn the ins and outs of building your own business and you can get your benefits while you're still working through that process. So there's been a lot of resources just locally that, um, that my state offers. I don't know if anybody else. Now that's major. I need to find out if there are some entrepreneur benefits here in Virginia, because that yeah. would be greatly beneficial. One of my Absolutely. challenges is all of the jobs that they serve up or recommend are not within my field, not within my, you know, comfortable pay scale, um, or either I'm like severely overqualified for. So the application is really not getting that look. So can we talk about your jobs that they've been presenting to you and what the conundrum is for people who are overqualified um, during that job search? But like, hey, you were a president. Do you want to be a president again? Or are you applying for things that don't say president? And are you being considered for those? Right, right now, I'm applying for, I'm, I'm just trying to vet my own hypothesis because, y'all, I have applied for probably 200 jobs. Wow. I've not gotten one, not one interview or request for information. I have lots of other uh, conversations that have happened organically with some amazing companies. So, mm -hmm. but that's all been organic. Right. Not one. And I just, I think the term overqualified is such BS. Mm -hmm. Like it's such, yes, you've got someone who is looking at a resume and they've got this understanding in their own worldview of why someone would or would not apply for a role that they feel is below them. Mm -hmm. So Someone is judging my experience based on their experience and deciding on my behalf without talking to me that I'm overqualified and taking me out of the running. Yeah. It just like people step down for lots of different reasons, you know, like work-life balance or, you know, wanting to be just happy doing something that you're really good at because maybe you're volunteering more. That's mm -hmm. been uh, something that I've been doing a lot of. I've been volunteering my butt off, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that's still important to me that I would want to make sure that I can still do moving forward. So I've applied for uh, VP roles in and out of property management, technology, learning and development, product roles, uh, you name it, I've applied and I'm just, I'm not getting any responses. Well, welcome which, to the club. Me either, sis. Okay. I have not gotten a single um, request for interview, a, a single, like, could you send us more information? I've just gotten a lot of, <laughs> we're sorry to inform you. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got a theory about that. I've got a theory about that because we, if you notice, the people who are unemployed right now from our industry, we're all disruptors. She said and that, not me. <laughs> yeah, we're all disruptors. 
we're all changing the game. And I believe, I've got two beliefs. Number one, our ideal positions don't exist yet because people don't know that they need them and they will. Mm -hmm. Multifamily is on the verge of a major disruption, whether or not they want to see it. And I think that that will be heavily fueled by technology. For sure. My second theory is that, well, it's not a theory, it's a belief. I don't believe in rejection. I believe in selection. Mm. And when I don't get a call back or whatever, that's not my selection. Mm -hmm. This is not, I'm not rejected. I've just, that's not the next thing I'm going to be selected for. And I wasn't rejected from, you know, my last job or the people who didn't hire me. My last job, that selection was over. And I'm just in transition from one selection to another. And every, every person that doesn't reply back to me weeds out the things that I'm not supposed to be doing. And that is, that's a gift to me. I know. You know, my friends keep telling me this thing. You're not supposed to have a job. You're supposed to be doing what you're doing. And I'm like, well, I'm supposed to pay my bills. So let's figure it out. Right? Like, man. And it's funny because I'm so busy. Yes. I love it. Like, it's all business development. I'm having conversations. I'm so fulfilled and I'm not making any money. I know. You so just pay us to be fulfilled. Like anybody want to give me a bi-weekly compensation to just be fulfilled because I am like, I'm just out here being a good human, making connections. And I just want to be paid for it. Yeah. I'm going to like go mow my neighbor's yard. He needs it. <laughs> and I could do a to make some money you know know. um the consulting thing happened really organically Mm -hmm. and i my husband he was like he's told me from the beginning you should just go on your own do this i never wanted to own my own business i still like am walking down both roads equally like i have to keep applying for jobs so i can keep my own employment of course Uh, but there's you know there's something to be said about being able to retire and having a 401k i mean lovely not having that ongoing stress of business development and then there's also i'm getting a lot of meaning and significance and reward from helping organizations do better and be better and helping them thrive uh by empowering them or you know applying these frameworks that i know are impactful Uh, it's a lot of self-validation that i'm on the right track but i'm still like looking down each road equally at the moment uh although i'm busier on my navigating side that I am. <laughs> I'm getting no traction on the other I side. I mean, yeah, we're losers there, but that's fine. <laughs> you know what? No response is a response. So Yeah. You know, I'll take it. I, I've never been busier than I've ever been in my life since I was laid off. I've been the busiest little bee ever. And yeah. uh, this community is really what keeps me going. I just want to keep growing this thing. Speaking of it's time to grow with our audience. If anybody has questions for myself, my guest, or just wants to give us some comments. Oh, look, look at my favorite, Hilary, Stephanie, yeah. first up. If anybody else is interested in joining the live audience, oh, we got another hand. Y'all can raise your, oh. <laughs> okay, we are lighting it up, okay? Let's freaking go right now. Stephanie. Welcome to the stage. Yes. Stephanie, yeah. you're on mute. Come on. All right, all right. 
Hello, everybody. Hi, friends. JFK and Dana. Hi. Hi. Um, well, I wanted to say, Jessica, I loved what you said about those of us who are still looking are sort of falling into that disruptor category. It actually resonated a lot with me because I'm feeling when I am having conversations that they're not necessarily looking for somebody who wants to kind of change things and um, disrupt to, you know, for lack of a better word. And, you know, I'm just who I am. And so I'm going to stay hilarious and unemployed mm-hmm. until the right thing comes along. Um, and who I am, I have a funny story I wanted to share. I told a recruiter the other day, she asked me like what my top three skills were. And, you know, I gave her the top two. And the last one I said, I'm hella good in front of clients. <laughs> Facts, okay? Those are the facts. I'm unemployed too long, Leslie. I was like, I am hell. And she goes, can I quote you on that? I said, you should quote me on that because they need to know who they're getting. Let us know about about the callback on that one. Yeah, She actually called me the next day. Look at you making an impact. Yeah. Those are your people. Like, that's your tribe. Exactly. Yeah. Authenticity matters. So I just wanted to share that, like, I'll stay disrupting, you stay disrupting, and we'll, you know, do it again wherever wherever the tides take us. But I wanted to thank you for sharing. And, uh, you know, just say hi to everyone. Hi. Thank you, thank you so much, Stephanie. I see ya. My good, good girlfriend. Let's go. Hey, can you, hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Ah. Okay, I'm in the airport. So I wanted to say, um, as someone who is not currently hilariously unemployed, uh, that one, um, Jessica, you are somebody who, like, I've fully seen throughout the industry for, like, the last few years and someone that I really looked up to as a leader who has definitely been really authentic and kind of just shown that you could still be a leader and still make your own way and hold true to your values and your morals. So I really appreciate you being someone who, even at sometimes probably the cost of like job security or whatever the situation is, being yourself. So one, I really wanted to say that. Two, I wanted to say, what is one thing that you think kind of throughout your career has kind of been like the North Star for how you've moved and like kept you going and just like the thing that you've always gone back to to keep you motivated? Great question. And thank you for saying that. Like I couldn't even express into words right now what that means. Like it just, to be, it means that everything that I've done has been worth it. So thank you for recognizing that. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think for me, I'm very driven and very passionate and some of what drives me is self uh internal uh motivation i don't believe in limits i just don't limits um they by definition don't exist because mm. they're it's all a it's all a thought right like capability means where we could be which more closely identifies with a limit and ability is where we're currently performing so we don't ever know what we're capable of until we try. And for me, I just want to see how far it could go sometimes. And I think that there is so much um, worth around housing. Like housing is a basic need. And my dad always told me, take care of home first. Mm-hmm. And being able to house people um, in, in 
give them access to a basic need. There's just something so wonderful about that. And this industry that I have grown up in, I built my life in, I've raised my kids through, I, I care about it so much. And there's, I've never been in an industry where there is such a strong community where how hard I worked was directly related to where I could go. Yeah. And that just reinforces this mindset that I have that limits don't exist. And I think that's been my my North Star is how many more, like if, I, if I'm a president, I don't care about the title, but I've got, like, I can go in and do this right. I can help people. I can make them feel like the, the last job that they had where their boss called and their heart dropped to the ground when they saw their name on the caller ID it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I love the, um, I love the psychology around that. And I've really kind of honed in on my passion that way uh, and believe that multifamily can be an amazing place to work and want to do everything that I can to help make that happen. Mm, thank you for that. That was a word, Jessica. I truly believe that the community that is a part of the multifamily community is something that is very special. And I think that's why people kind of get stuck in this industry because it's it's unmatched the way that we feel and how hard we go. And I think that each and every one of my guests has all had that same theme of like, I just want to help people in, you know, a capacity that I'm passionate about. So thank you for sharing that. I see Monique dropped off. Monique, raise your hand. We'll get you back up to the stage. Jaleese, go ahead and join us. Um, unmute for us. Hello there. Happy Friday, everybody. Um, my name is Jaleese. I'm so glad to be able to join you all. And um, Dana, we have to give a true shout out for Jessica because she has dropped some of the greatest gems. Um, and just really describe everything that I'm going through as a hilariously unemployed individual. Mm -hmm. um, it has truly been a journey starting out with over you know 14 years and seeing how our industry has changed, but really understanding that, as Jessica quoted, we don't have any limits and to stay curious and keep that drive and maintain your authentic voice. Um, my question to Jessica is, as you continue to grow into the industry, and see the way that it's shaping, being a disruptor, what has been your major drive to continuing to occupy and take up space and rooms that really were kind of, you felt a little shrunken in? Um, how did you navigate that space? Mm, shrunken in, come on, Justin. Yeah, oh, I'm like, whoo, that's like, yeah. I can feel, I can I feel that. That's, that's an interesting question. Uh, because in order to continue to advocate, there is a balance between, am I advocating because I want to be heard or am I advocating because I want uh, I want you to hear what I'm saying, which are two totally different things. One's kind of ego-driven and one mm -hmm. is the advocacy I'm a champion for. And I, like most people, have struggled with imposter syndrome. Uh, I'm very proudly neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, correlates with ADHD is rejection sensitivity, which Correct. has not been an easy thing to navigate. Uh, think about imposter syndrome 24-7. And I had, a, um, I had a core belief for a very long time that I wasn't good enough. And mm -hmm. it ate at me. Um, it was kind of before I got really serious about managing ADHD and uh, had been diagnosed multiple times, took it seriously about four years ago. And 
really like committed to myself to unwind that because I knew it wasn't true and it kept getting in my way. And -hmm. when you get tired of your own BS, Mm -hmm. and if you've ever been tired of your own BS, you know what I'm talking about. It forces you to make the changes and apply the type of self-awareness where you look in the mirror and you're not lying to yourself anymore. Because if you want to get better, if you want to grow, you have to have a check yourself or you wreck yourself conversation with yourself. And those figuring out my why, my purpose made me know that not only did I deserve to be in a room, it didn't matter what anybody else thought. And I believed wholeheartedly in the things that I was advocating for. And I wasn't being loud just to be loud. I was mm-hmm. being loud because it was right and being loud because uh, people needed to hear it and was willing to sacrifice myself uh, for the sake of the message. And I think putting in the time to be really uh, emotionally intelligent about that, because if we don't speak in ways that other people are willing to listen Uh, we might as well not speak at all. So it really had to be not about me and Mm -hmm. about the overall goal. And that I was a, (laughs) I was a navigator or, you know, the the carrying the ship, you know, from one place to another, because I believed in it so much and was willing to walk through whatever process it was that I was advocating for. Uh, But I don't believe that anybody's voice should be quiet because somebody else thinks so. The things that other people do or say is a reflection of them and not you. And no one's allowed to make you feel uh, shrunken. Yeah. Be big. Be bold. Don't humble yourself. Jessica, thank you so much for sharing that. Go ahead, Jalice. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say thank you so much for sharing that. And I think everything you said is truly valid because you do have to be a person that can see the greater picture, but also understand that not everyone has the ability to express their voice or that confidence as you. So when you are selected, be comfortable, be bold, but more so be able to be a part of the room, even if you have to shift the room. So thank you so much. Wow. I love the community that we are building here. And when y'all come on stage, it truly ignites me. If anybody else has any questions, go ahead and raise your hand. We still have some time on this call. Jessica, thank you for sharing your ADHD status. I am a fellow ADHDer and imposter syndrome is real for us. And people look at us like, oh, yeah, she's speaking on this. She's talking on that. She's bold. She's yeah, we beat ourselves up. Okay. So like yeah. we're here sharing our voice with you. Our internal conflict is something that is very, very heavy within ourselves. But yeah. as we work to manage it and figure out what it is that we need to do to make sure we stay on mission, we grow and we get really good at it. So thank you Absolutely. for uh, sharing that and being transparent about your ADHD diagnosis with our audience. Come on, y'all. Get some hands up. Felipe, I saw you had your hand up earlier. I don't know if that was a mistake, but we'd love to welcome you to the stage if you're still interested. In the meantime, Jessica, tell the people what your next opportunity would look like and where they can find you because you are a consultant. You are a speaker. You are a magazine cover girl. Yeah, I mean, D, all the above. Um, So my dream, my dream job, if I were to get a nine to five, I would be like a chief transformation navigator. Like I want to do that full time. And if I am with a company that wants to disrupt and wants to walk down that road, cool. Um, With consulting, well, navigating. Mm-hmm. And the difference to me is the execution piece. Mm-hmm. Consulting to me feels like opinion, 
documents, that kind of stuff. But I want to walk you, I want to walk you through it. Mm -hmm. And I really want to help manage the psychological reorientation that it takes for employees to adopt change. Like it's such an important critical factor. So I work with companies who um, need to do some organizational development, organizational revitalization, need uh, help with implementation, uh, especially with technology. So I can project manage and people project manage mm-hmm. and technology implementations, um, especially the complicated ones that have AI. And um, I work with property technology companies to help them understand multifamily tighten up their value propositions. Um, I can do roadmap development and there's lots of other things and you can learn about those and uh, figure out how to contact me by looking at my website, which is EinsteinSolutionsConsulting.com or you can connect with me here on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message. I love to have conversations. It's always a treat when I get to connect with someone um, just about life or if there's anything that I can ever do to help someone. I've had so many connections introduced uh, to me from our community. And so if I can do that for you or if you need encouragement, by all means, please feel free to reach out. Um, you can also read the magazine article if you, my <laughs> instead of having experience on my website, it's called Street Cred. section. The link is right there if you want to, if you're interested in reading it. Awesome, Jessica. Thank you for that elevated pitch. Y'all heard her. You know where you can find her now. So go ahead and do me a favor. Click on her photo, my photo, and everybody that is in this gallery and go ahead and connect with them on LinkedIn. We are truly creating a community here at the Hilariously Unemployed. Uh, We want you all to be connected with that community. So follow myself here on LinkedIn, follow Jessica, and follow everyone that you see. I have no shame at all anymore, which is also a great thing for me. So Being that I have no shame, if anybody wants to sponsor an episode of the Hilariously Unemployed or sponsor our swag shop, you know where you can find me right here on LinkedIn. My link tree is active and in my bio or slide into those DMs. Please, please, please. This is a labor of love, but one day it will get me really paid. Don't you want to get in on the ground floor of this startup? (laughs) I promise not to lay you off. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been episode nine of the Hilariously Unemployed, the unenjoyment process. This episode, like all of the others, will be available on all podcast platforms. That is Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and YouTube. When I get a moment to produce and upload it this weekend, this is still a one-woman show, although I have my community of hilarious. I still do all of this on my own, y'all. So it'll get out by Sunday. So look out for that. But if you're subscribed, you'll get those notifications. Jessica, I want to thank you one more time for joining us. And audience, I truly appreciate you. Again, five-star reviews are the way to my heart. If you can't pay me in cash, pay me in subscriptions and five stars. This has been the Hilariously Unemployed. We will see you all next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.